The reason I call these soapbox sessions is because back in the day, or maybe even present day, people who really had something very important to say would stand upon a soapbox of sorts, meaning a box, a large crate, or something that would elevate them above the crowd so that their voice could be heard with or without a megaphone because they had something of importance to say. So thank you for listening to another soapbox session. Hey, hello, hello, hello. Um, This is Keyshawn Rains coming at you with a soapbox session. And I'm actually on my way to, again, on my way to a place that I go to acquire wealth. And I just got struck with a notion, a feeling, a message that I wanted to share and the it's interesting because the way that the soapbox sessions end up happening is while I'm driving, I get struck with something and I'm like, you know what? I do want to talk about that. Like instead of me just like calling my tribe and, you know, bouncing ideas off of them, because a lot of us have similar or complimentary, you know, ideas and that's valuable. Sometimes though, it's important for the conversations that we have just amongst ourselves to be conversations that other people get to hear, participate in sort of indirectly, and otherwise just to be influenced or to be inspired, empowered, impacted, or in this case, informed about things that they may not otherwise be aware of or even have any interest or knowledge of for that matter. So the thing that stuck struck me today is this experience that I have as a queer person in a obviously hetero society but a little deeper than that being a queer creole girl or queer creole woman in a straight black world is kind of the vibe or the feeling that that hit me that was like damn maybe I should talk about that and I think it's coming up for me because I have you know more recently, I would say, started to inject myself back into hetero spaces or just black dominant spaces in a way that I hadn't necessarily done in a while. And, you know, I am over 40 years old and I came out almost 11 years ago. And a little bit of my story, for those who do not know, I was young and you know went to college and went across the country and really found myself and I know that we've heard like the very common you know almost damn near stereotypical story about you know the young people in their early you know 20s or late teens who go to college and have their you know first gay experience and then you know they come out shortly after so just so you know going to college doesn't necessarily uh, ignite the gayness in you. It's already in there. But going to college, especially going away to college, gives you an opportunity to be away from the nest, away from whoever it is that raised you, parents, grandparents, or your first community and your family. Going to college is a place where people explore all different parts of themselves. Some people who maybe didn't know that they had a creative, you know, gene in them discover it when they go to college. People who didn't know 
that they have a political, you know, gene in them discover it when they go away to college. And that's why for me, I encourage young people to go to college so that you can go and find yourself or at least start that journey to finding yourself. So for me, I went to an HBC in Charlotte, North Carolina. And when I got there, I started to realize that I saw other people who looked like me, not only black people, because I grew up, not grew up, but I went to high school in a predominantly white area out in an imaginary place called the high desert where people go to live in the desert. And while I was there, you know, I was, I had gotten conditioned to being the only one. I was the only one in most spaces, classrooms, parties, proms, sporting events, teams, clubs, etc. I got used to being the only one or maybe one of two for that matter. And so going to an HBC was encouraged by my grandfather and by my uncle to give me a chance to again go into a space that was unlike where I was, where I came from to really discover or start the journey of self-discovery. And when I got there, not only did I see black folks in abundance, I also started to see some queer black folks. And keep in mind, I, you know, had some knowledge of, you know, queer people, gay people, lesbians, whatever you want to call it. I have a cousin who's older than me, who's gay and, you know, known that as long as I've known what gay is. And I also know that 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 first experience of seeing people who look like me, meaning people who were my age, people who were black like me, but were also gay and spending time with them, you know, girls on a basketball team, a volleyball team, you know, whatever, spending time in their spaces, socially hanging out, going to parties, such and such. I started to feel that little fire in me like, oh, we found our people. Here they are. Let's let's connect with them. Let's befriend them and so on. And that's what I started to do. And of course, you know, parlayed into finding my first girlfriend who, interestingly enough, was a white girl. (laughs) She was the only white girl on this black campus, but she was a baller. And there you have it. So my first, you know, experience being in a relationship with a woman was when I was like, 18 years old, you know, 19 years old, give or take in college, maybe a little older, because it's been a long time, 19, 20, uh, <laughs> around that time, because I went to an HBC. Then I came back home to California, went to a party school, also known as San Diego State, and then went back to the HBC because I was like, just kidding, maybe I should get serious about actually graduating. And that's when I, you know, had my first girlfriend. And time marches on. So 11 years ago, I came out to my family. Granted, in between that first experience and coming out, I also met a guy and had a relationship with him and actually had a child with him and was married to him. And that was my last effort to try and conform to the heteronormative society that we live in. And to conform to the heteronormative family community that I was raised in. That was my last effort to do that. Having a child is a beautiful gift. Getting married 
to try and prove to myself and to my family that I wasn't gay, that I wasn't queer, that I was straight, that I was acceptable, that I was lovable, that I was likable, that it was okay to still allow me to be a part of the family. That was what I was doing there. And what I discovered, of course, was it was miserable. It was miserable for me. It was miserable for him. And it did not end well. There was a lot of hurt. There was a lot of pain. There was a lot of disappointment. There was a lot of just negativity that happened in the endings of that experience because it just wasn't right for us at all. And so for the last 11 years, I have been embraced and welcomed and held and loved and accepted by my queer family in such a beautiful way. I have queer elders, I have queer youth, (laughs) I have queer peers. And the beautiful part about that experience is that I know that it's very common for black folks in particular who are queer folks. And queer is the terminology that I use. It's what's comfortable for me. Some people say gay, some people say lesbian. Queer is what you're going to hear me say. And that in my, in my heart encompasses us all. The whole LGBTQ, every color on that flag. I use queer, just so you know. So I'm covering all y'all, all of us. And so I realized that being able to be my whole and complete self has been a journey. Now, 11 years later, I'm in a space where I'm comfortable enough in myself to be able to step back into quote unquote black hetero spaces and to be there comfortably and confidently but I will say that it's still not my favorite place to be just yet and that has a lot more to do with me deciding whether or not I want to be the informer the educator the person that says hey black man I think you're beautiful and intelligent And maybe even possibly handsome. But please do not, under any circumstances, confuse that for me being interested in sleeping with you. Or flirting with you. Or accepting your flirtations with me. Those are the kinds of things that I don't like doing. And being in hetero spaces often requires me to do that. I had to take a little break. But what comes with that is a feeling of kind of having to be on guard all the time and no one wants to feel like they're on guard all the time it's already enough to be on guard all the time as a black person and a woman and then on top of that a queer person that you know I fall into that category of you know triple marginalized you know in a lot of ways and I think that what's tricky is my desire to be able to let my guard down is paired with my desire to be a bridge of sorts between, you know, black and white spaces or queer and non-queer, queer and, you know, hetero spaces, male and female spaces. You know, I am in my heart of hearts, a teacher, you know, an educator and empower and igniter. And if, and when the time comes when a person who doesn't look like me, so to speak, and maybe not a woman, not a queer person, not even a person of color comes to me and genuinely wants to have a conversation or initiate a dialogue where they come seeking knowledge, depending on the mood that I'm in, I may genuinely take the time to actually say, okay, 
let me let me let me let me school you just a little bit partner let me let me open you up just a little bit let me elevate you just a little bit because you've come to me in a way that I am interpreting as humble and you're coming to me in a way that I am receiving as a genuine desire to actually get to know my story or get to know the world from my perspective and I know that that's not always an easy thing to do so for instance yesterday I was at a coffee house in Santa Ana and I was you know sitting there doing my thing whatever and there was a guy sitting next to me white dude and he got up to go to the bathroom and was like hey can you keep an eye on my stuff and I was like sure whatever and so he goes does this thing and then he comes back and he's like thank you you know like made a joke like nobody tried to steal it right and I was like no nah, nobody nobody tried to steal your shit and I could kind of feel again energetically speaking I could feel that he wanted to have a conversation with me. I didn't know exactly what it was going to be about at the time. I just knew like, okay, you're going to try to talk to me, aren't you? Okay. And I had two choices in that moment. I could either be the person who was like, mm, you know what, I'm just going to put my headphones in and non-verbally communicate to you that I'm not interested in having a conversation. But Again, like I said, depending on the mood, my mood yesterday apparently was a mood that was conversational and I was like, okay, sure. So I like, you know, turned my body towards him to indicate that I was interested in having a conversation with him. And we ended up talking for like an hour and our conversation covered everything from, you know, marginalized groups of people, uh, including black and women. We talked about coffee shops. We talked about entrepreneur, entrepreneurial um, plans and ideas. We talked about gentrification. We talked about family relationships. We talked about a lot of different things. The conversation was just kind of like ping ponging really smoothly. And all the while I felt myself wondering like, damn, you know, this guy probably didn't know when he came to this coffee shop today that he was going to have a conversation with somebody who can comfortably, confidently, and authentically speak to the experiences of three different marginalized groups of people, particularly in this country women, black people, and queer folks. And I felt good being able to do that because again, in that particular moment, I just happened to be in the mindset and the mood set to engage in that conversation. However, sometimes I find that in certain social situations, which sidebar, I already have to psych myself up to overcome some pretty moderate levels of social anxiety as it is. I know it's kind of, you know, ironic to think that a person like myself who aspires to, you know, be on stage and impact and empower thousands and hundreds of thousands of people through my words, through my teaching, through my, you know, acquired philosophies and so on and so forth, that being in social situations should be a breeze. Well, there's a difference between being in the front of the room talking to a bunch of people versus having one-on-one -on -one or two-on-one, -on -one, you know, smaller conversations. When it comes to smaller conversations, I get super anxious and go into like hardcore panic mode where my armpits are sweating, my eyelids are sweating, you know, my allergies start acting up and like, I feel like it's too much, like got to get out of here, find a safe place, find a happy place. And, you know, I try to be brief with it. So it is something that I'm actually practicing. It is something that I'm aware of and I am determined to overcome in a very holistic way, which is, you know, honoring myself in whatever capacity that looks like. 
So when I am in social spaces where I do find myself getting uncomfortable and, you know, triggering that anxiety, then I know how to excuse myself, collect myself, and then I can choose to insert myself back into that space when I'm comfortable. And to do so without apology and to do so without shame is something that I'm practicing present day. With that being said, when I'm in certain social situations, and we'll just say for the sake of this soapbox session, that when I'm in social spaces where the predominant group that is present are hetero hetero black folks and what I mean by that is you know heterosexual black people um men and women more so with men and I want to speak on that too this is another little sidebar offshoot there is a relatively common stereotypical misconception about queer black women which is or queer women in general but speaking as a queer black woman there's a misconception that is floating around (laughs) that has been adopted and accepted and regurgitated that indicates that queer black women are man haters or trying to replace men or trying to be men and as a queer black woman, as a queer black femme woman, I don't hate men. I don't date men <laughs> either. I don't hate them and I don't date them. And it's impossible for me to hate an entire, you know, species or an entire, um, you know, group of humans because my father is a black man. My son will grow up to be a black man. His father is a black man. And I honor black men for the role that they step into and for the the importance that they represent in the community of black people. Again, keeping in mind, I am a part of an even smaller, you know, group of people, which is queer black people. And I think that sometimes when I am in hetero black spaces, that hetero black men see me and you know, for those of you who know me, who spent time with me in person, um, you know, again, I identify as femme and femme is a spectrum like everything else. I present, I guess if you want to call it that, in a way that, you know, may confuse some people. Um, it may cause some people, not queer people, or actually some queer people too, but it may cause some people to think or to assume that I'm straight or that I'm heterosexual. And that can be irritating as fuck. And the reason why is because I am comfortable in spaces where I am the minority. I went to high school at a predominantly white high school. I was the only black cheerleader on the entire cheerleading squad, varsity, junior varsity, and so on. I was the only black person in a lot of spaces. So I've I've gotten used to and I've been conditioned and I've learned how to code switch, you know, so I know how to make uncomfortable situations comfortable among many different people. But there's something very unique that happens to me when I'm in spaces with hetero black men where they make the assumption that I'm straight. And instead of just approaching me like human to human, hey, energetically, I see something in you that makes me want to come and talk to you. It's coming from a place of automatic assumption that I am straight, followed by a very overtly, in my opinion, un- uninvited flirtation. And I find myself having to like throw up all my shields and throw up all my guards like, nah, bro, nah, 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 nah. You barking up the wrong tree, partner. And nah, eh, eh, eh. You know what I'm saying? 
And sometimes I don't want to do that because there could be a really dope conversation that could come from that. Just like me being in the coffee shop where the white dude was like, hey, I want to have a conversation with you. Granted, he didn't approach me in a way that felt flirtatious. He didn't approach me in a way that felt domineering. He didn't approach me in a way that felt over-sexualized or anything. It was like, hey, human being who's sitting next to another human being, would you like for the two of us to, you know, converse? Sounds like a great idea to exchange input and let's do that. And so I went for it. So the reason why this came to me was finding myself in situations where, again, like I said, I'm, I'm finding myself in spaces where in my efforts to bring holistic healing practices into the black community, I'm finding myself interacting with and sharing spaces with black men and hetero black men and I have some hetero black men that not have but there are some hetero black men that are part of my community part of my yoga community part of my you know impactful community part of my rooted tribe there are two black hetero men that I specifically selected that feel to me and have shown to me that they are men who recognize who I am recognize my greatness honor me as I am. And we are allowed to do that for each other. You know, I mirror them there. They mirror me. And so I say that to say in other spaces, and I was listening to a podcast last week. Um, shout out to Amanda Seals. I absolutely love your podcast, girl. Love it. Just you just in general are dope as shit. You're a cancer. Our birthdays are like three days apart. Sometimes I listen to her podcast and I'm like, oh my God, I feel like you're literally saying the words that are inside of my brain right now. Thank you for letting me know that I'm not alone. But I was listening to her podcast. I think it was last week's episode. Um, her, her podcast is called Small Doses with Amanda Seals. Check it out. Yes, I'm plugging another black woman. Ooh, look at me being amazing and honoring another black woman who's also amazing. Um, she did an episode where it was talking about uh, being woke and like, you know, what that looks like and so on and so forth. And she touched on this um, concept or this idea of hoteps, which, you know, a lot of people don't know what that is. I know what it is. When I was in college back in the day, we would call them five percenters. Um, but it's basically I'm not even going to go into the definition of what it is. Go listen to her podcast because she breaks it down all the way. But my point for bringing that up is that I found myself again putting myself into these spaces, these communities of black healers. And those are Reiki practitioners, yoga practitioners, you know, acupuncturists, massage therapists, uh, comedic yoga practitioners, vegan chefs, and every uh, doulas and everything in between, maybe not doulas for men, but for men is what I'm speaking to right now. So all these other categories, I find myself in spaces with them. They honor me for being a fellow healer. They honor me for being a black woman. When they find out or they get wind of the fact that I'm a queer black woman, there's a slight diminishment of the honoring that takes place. And it saddens me. It saddens me. But this is not, again, this is not all. This is just like the hoteps in particular, where I feel like they're their determination to uplift black people through this one vein of upliftment, which in a lot of ways stands on the veins of a lot of other people that are part of the black community, makes me feel uncomfortable and isolated. On the flip side of that, there are black women 
that are also in that community that again, we can, you know, sister circle and we can vibe out and we can woo woo and we can, you know, ashe and namaste, but the, the queer element of who I am or the queerness of me is another area that I find myself having to like shuck and jive around in order to feel comfortable in certain spaces. And I don't want to do that. I don't like doing that. And truthfully, in this moment, I'm not going to do that anymore. And while I can understand that based on conditioning that people see, people have a preconceived idea, a preconceived picture of what a gay woman looks like or what a queer woman looks like. They have a preconceived picture of what a queer black woman looks like based on media, maybe personal experience, so on and so forth. So when they see me, on social media, even though it says queer in the indicator, um, when they see me on posters, flyers, whatever, they don't necessarily know that as I'm standing in those spaces, I'm standing in those spaces as Keyshawn Bianca Reigns, who is a mother, who is a Creole and African-American woman, who is a queer femme woman, who is a yoga practitioner, who is a healer, who is a writer, who is an author, who is a motivator, who is a coach. Like I have a lot of things that I am. And sometimes I find myself having to or feeling like I have to because reality, it's all perception. My perception is that in some spaces I have to highlight or code switch, to be perfectly honest, in order to assimilate, in order to be accepted into certain spaces. And I don't want to do that shit. I'm not going to anymore. And so the reason why this 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 idea came to me was because I'm finding myself in these spaces and as much as I want to be the facilitator, be the bridge between hetero black folks and queer black folks, between queer black women and hetero black men, like and between queer black women and hetero black women. I want to be a bridge. And what I mean by that is I want to be the person who's like, "Look, I know what it's like to stand in your shoes and your shoes. Maybe not black men because I've never been a black man. I was married to a black man. My father was a black man. We went over this. So I can understand and I can empathize, if nothing else, with those experiences. But the reason why I wanted to speak about this in particular is because it's more of a public service announcement. If you follow me on social media, specifically on Instagram, you know that my family did a public service announcement last week about our hair and for white people to stop touching it. So I felt like, you know what? Another public service announcement is in order. And this is for hetero black men. Never assume that because a woman represents herself or presents herself with a flair of femininity. Never assume that she is heterosexual. Never assume, never assume anything. Let's just start with that. Don't make assumptions. This is one of the four agreements. But if you should assume something, just be very mindful of the way that you approach women because I have women who are in my community, in my tribe, who are, who are on an even different part of the spectrum of femininity where you know, heels and makeup and hair, it's, it's a whole vibe, nails and the whole shit. And it is very easy for them to be assumed, for, um, for, for people to assume that they are straight. And again, whatever floats their boat. For some women, even if they're queer, they uh, enjoy 
and absorb the attention. I, in particular, don't. I don't. I enjoy connection. I enjoy genuine conversation. I enjoy, you know, enlightened dialogue. I like getting to know people. I like hearing people's stories. I like sharing my stories. So I no longer want to feel like I have to walk around with these walls up and these guards up all the damn time. What I would like is for me to be able to be in every space as me all the time as my whole and complete self, because that is how I'm choosing to walk in this world. And that is what I encourage everyone that hears this or everyone that I interact with to walk in this world as well. And the most important thing to remember, well, one of the most important things to remember is that when you make the decision to be your whole and complete self, just know everybody ain't gonna like your shit. Everybody ain't gonna like your shit. Everybody ain't gonna like what you have to say. Everybody ain't gonna like what you create. Everybody ain't going to like the way you look, the way you dress. Everybody ain't going to like it. But the beautiful thing is I don't give a fuck. (laughs) I'm not doing this for everybody to like it. I'm doing this for those bodies that need it. Those bodies that are seeking it. Those bodies, when I say bodies, I mean people. For those people who are craving this, for those people who are like, oh my God, this is exactly what I needed to hear right now. This is exactly what I've been, you know, thinking about the same way that when I hear another person's podcast and I'm inspired and I'm impacted and I'm positively like empowered, that is why I do this. It's for those people. And if you don't happen to be one of those people, that's cool. This ain't for you. I'm not for you. There are people out there who literally sit back every single day with the sole intention of casting judgment and ridicule onto other people. That is like their job. They're following a calling. I don't know exactly where that calling came from because it doesn't seem to be very kind or uplifting, but everybody has a calling. You know what I'm saying? My calling is to empower, inspire, and positively impact Other people's calling is to shit on, to ridicule, and to bully. I'm not one of those people. But know that as you choose to step into your greatness, as you choose to stand in your light, as you choose to speak and live in your power, there's going to be some people who do not like that. And there are different ways that those people show up. And sometimes they don't like because they don't know. Sometimes they don't like because they fear. Sometimes they don't like because they want what it is that you have. And the reality is that we know that the universe is abundant. There's enough to go around. You don't have to take from me. I don't have to take from you. I can honor you. You can honor me. We can both exist, coexist in community, in, you know, in light, in love, in all of that without having to tear anybody down, without having to make someone feel like they have to put up a wall, without making anyone feel uncomfortable, unseen, or unheard. So in the meantime public service announcement is for hetero people in general, hetero black folks in, in, as, a, as a group. And I know that there's a lot of, you know, queerness that's showing up with Janelle Monet and Lena Waithe. And, you know, it's, I get it. Like we're kind of trending right now. I mean, because we're dope as shit. I mean, come on, let's just keep it real. Um, <laughs> we're trending right now. We're, we're putting ourselves in spaces where we normally or normally and historically were not. And I think that's great. We're busting down barriers. We're breaking down walls. We're making ourselves be seen. We're letting ourselves be heard. 
And I think with that, it's not just on the largest stages that we're doing that. It's not just, you know, on the big stages. It's not just at the Met Gala wearing a cape of rainbow colors. It's not just that. That's huge. While that's going on, there's also a bunch of little tiny things that are happening in smaller spaces and smaller communities around uh, outside of the, you know, the public eye where queer black folks are getting to inspire and educate hetero black folks on ways that we can actually continue to stand together as a united presence as just black folks to tear down the separation, to tear down the segregating walls that we put up amongst each other. Because the reality is that the world we live in right now is already struggling and dying in a lot of ways because of separation, because of segregation, because of a lack of integration, because of a lack of understanding, a lack of even seeing each other, a lack of cohesion. So we can't, we black people cannot continue to perpetuate these really fucked up programs that tell us that we have to look down our noses at each other because, oh, she's gay or, oh, he's straight or, oh, she's fat or, oh, she's skinny or, oh, her's natural. Oh, she got a weave. Oh, she did Like, we have to stop doing that. We have to stop doing it. And there's many reasons why. One of the biggest reasons why is because it ain't cool. Who is that serving? It can't be serving you. If you're the kind of person who literally has the time and the breath to sit back and 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 talk shit or to to approach and make someone feel uncomfortable to pass judgment to cast judgment like if you're that person who's like oh she ain't shit or he ain't shit and she thinks this and she thinks that and it 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 and your chakras are not aligned or what I mean like if you have the time and the breath to do that oh my god you could be doing so many other things to improve the quality of this world. So many other things you'd be doing with that voice. So many other people that you could be impacting. So many other things that you could be doing to really make your mark. Really, really make your mark. And the, the part that saddens me and the part that hurts my heart is that I know that people who are making it their duty to tear down other people have so much pain. So much pain that has not been healed that has not been nurtured that has not been soothed so the healer in me wants to be like you know what sis bruh I just want to send you some love and some light because all that you need right now is that and all this negativity that is spewing out of you is coming from that place so back to what I was saying earlier about not wanting to have to walk around with shields up all the time. I know as an empath that I have to have shields up. I have to, you know, protect my gates as a a friend of mine told me once upon a time, I will never forget that to protect your gates basically means to protect what you see, what you hear and what comes into your heart, what you ingest into your body and so on and so forth to protect your gates. And there's a way that you can still engage with other people, straight people, queer people, black people, white people, you know, young people, old people that you can walk in this world with your gates protected with, Without coming off as someone who has their guard up. It's actually like a special skill. 
It's basically like magic. The person who is able to be in those spaces and really genuinely be present and genuinely be able to sit with and see and reflect and mirror other people while having their gates protected, it takes time to get there. But once you've mastered it, it's actually a really beautiful way to exist. And that's what I was able to do in the coffee shop with this white dude yesterday. And that's what I'm able to do when I go into straight into hetero spaces, into hetero black spaces, when people make the assumption, you know, when they talk about sister, you need them, you know, it, where's your man and da da da, or people know I have a son and they assume that I am in relationships and in a relationship currently with his father or, you know, people make a lot of assumptions about me and it used to really make me mad, but now I'm in a place where I recognize people are going to make assumptions about you based on what they see and based on what they hear and what they don't hear. And what I know is that to not make assumptions is to be practicing one of the four agreements. Another of the four agreements is to be impeccable with your word. And what that means is that when you speak on yourself or others, that you speak in a way that brings life, that you speak in a way that that is life-giving as opposed to life-taking uh, shit, to shitting on somebody, you know, when you open your mouth and allow words to come out of it, know that when you're doing so that you're casting spells, <laughs> spelling, uh, you're casting spells onto your life, onto the lives of other people. So if you are a hetero black man and you are in a space with, where, where there are, I guess, for this conversation or for this uh, you know, session, if you're a hetero black man and you find yourself in spaces with unobviously gay, I hate to even say that, but you know what the fuck I'm trying to say, women, when you approach any woman, approach her in kindness. Just honor her existence. Because if you're taking the time to actually stop and start talking to me, is because there's something about me. Maybe it is the way that I look. Maybe it is the way that I speak or something that you overheard. Or maybe it is just an energetic vibe that you pick up on. If you approach her with humility and with authenticity and even a little bit of vulnerability, you will find that you might have a really great interaction with someone that once you discover that this is a queer black woman and that you have no chance of getting any part of the panties, that you still had a really, really dope connection. Because I believe at the end of the day, at the beginning of the day, at the middle of the day, that where we are in our lives right now, human beings cannot fight the innate part of our existence, which is a desire to relate to one another, a desire to have relationships with one another, and a desire to connect. And if we can start to break down and uh, dissect a lot of our assumptions about each other, things that we assume a woman who you know, has a lot of kids and is a single mom to assume that she, you know, struggling or she made bad choices or, you know, a queer woman who, you know, has a, a 16 year old son who used to be married to a dude is confused, you know, or, or a, a straight black man who maybe had a, a fucked up past and, you know, found his way in and out of the prison system is, is someone that we should just forget. You know, there's a lot of assumptions that we make about each other. And I'm just saying black people among black people conversation about how the rest of the world sees us not even going to get into that right now what's on my heart to have this to do this session today is for us as black people to know that as long as we are divided as long as we are divided we will never triumph in a in a way that is 
long lasting in a way that has generational impact in a way that has, you know, generational influence. A friend of mine, the other night we were here, we were talking about, it's off, you know, you often hear like we're, or I am my ancestors wildest dreams. And you know, it was t-shirts and hashtags and so on and so forth. Do you ever think about you being the ancestor? <laughs> Do you ever think about you being the one who is creating and, and etching in stone and clearing out and carving out the pathway for those who come after you? Do you ever think about that? And do you ever think about the decisions that you're making, the way that you're showing up in the world, the words that you say, the way that you treat people is literally setting up a vibrational momentum, which means everyone who comes after you is going to pick up on that, meaning like in your legacy, whether it's by blood or doesn't matter, everyone that comes after you is going to be affected by the way that you live your life right now. So just to be aware of that, the way that you live your life right now is literally creating the way that your lineage is going to live. And that's why some of us have such a, a, a calling or um, uh, fuck, it can't, it's not coming to me right now, but have something on there, our lives, a passion that says, I have to do this differently because I want to change my lineage forever. And it's not just about wealth. It's not just about health. It's just about existence and community, the way that we interact with each other. So, I think that's all I have to say. And there's like a crying baby in the background and I don't want to try to be louder than the crying baby. So I am appreciative for you for taking the time to listen. I know this was kind of a long soapbox session, but this was on my heart. Not but this was a long soapbox session and this was on my heart. This was on my mind. I actually started recording it like a week ago and had to come and sit back down and finish it up today just in time to be able to, to get it out. So I'm going to close with this last piece, which is we are not so different. None of us. We're not so different. We as human beings have a thread, the, a creative thread that comes from the source of all creation, whatever you call that. And we are all an extension of that. And if we live our lives and we approach one another and communicate with one another and interact with one another with that knowing that we are all an extension of the same source, just imagine for a moment how beautiful our existence would actually be. So while I started this off with a bit of a rant about experiences being in hetero black spaces, I'm finishing it up with an intention that I invite you to adopt, create, modify, add to, which is I intend to walk in this world to engage with others from a place of knowing that we all come from the same source, that we are all one and we are not so different. Peace, y'all. It's time to wrap this up and I just want to say very sincerely thank you. You have your choice of thousands of different podcasts that you could be listening to each day and I appreciate you for choosing this to be one of them. Right now in this moment I see the light, I see the love, the wisdom, the beauty, the prosperity, the creativity and the pure joy that shines within each of you and I bow humbly before your divinity. Namaste.